We will be in Luke chapter 2 again today. Luke chapter 2. We're just going to kind of continue on after the birth of Jesus. We'll be at the end of Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 39. Luke chapter 2, verse 39. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. and Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple complex, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he, excuse me, but they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you just would speak through me this morning. God, I pray that you just would let the Holy Spirit use these words. Dear Lord, I pray that you just would, uh, God, forgive my sinfulness. I pray that you just clear my mind. I pray that you clear my heart, dear Lord, this morning as I present your word. I pray that, I pray that you just, God, use me in spite of me, dear Lord. God, I don't preach this morning because I'm worthy to... To, to preach and teach, dear Lord, but I preach because you've called me, and I pray, God, that you help me to preach in a way that's going to bring glory to you. God, I pray that Jesus Christ is, is lifted up in this place, and God, I pray that every word that comes from my mouth is a word from you, God, and I pray more than anything that each one that's here will see these words that we just read. God, that the Holy Spirit is already working in their heart. God, I pray that you help us to see things in these verses that we need to see that we hear things in these verses that we need to hear. God, I pray that your word would transform our heart. God, I pray that as we prepare for a new year, as oftentimes we have new, fresh things on our mind and want a fresh start and, and want to do better, whatever our New Year's resolutions may be, God, I pray more than anything that this year that we would desire to draw closer to you. God, I pray more than anything that this year, that every day of our life, God, as a church, that we would be on mission for you. God, I pray that you, would, that you would lead me as a pastor. God, that I would walk in obedience to you, to be a leader to these people. God, I pray that you be with us as a church. 
that we would listen to you, God, that we would walk in obedience to you this year, that we wouldn't be tossed around by the thoughts and the things of the world, but, God, that we would come together as a church, dear Lord, that we would stand firm on your word, that we would stay, God, uh, just as, as faithful servants to you. And if there are areas where we need to grow, God, help us to grow. And I pray, God, that through your word today that you work in our lives. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. We don't see much about Jesus in the Scripture from the time of his birth until the time uh, that he was an adult beginning his ministry. Uh, other than, than this verse here, this is, this is it. There are no other verses that talk about the childhood of Jesus. Now, there are some other books, some other uh, accounts of uh, historical books, some uh, books of the Apocrypha. Those books are those that uh, were claimed to be written by, by people, uh, many of which were around this time, but uh, upon further review, there's some question to them. And many of those books, uh, or at least some of those books, I should say, have some, some information about Jesus as a child, but it's not information that really would uh, line up with who we see Jesus as being in Scripture. And so all that Scripture tells us, all that God's Word tells us about Jesus as a child are these events that we read about this morning. Now, I think that there are several things as Christians that we can take from these events that we are looking at today. Now, after Jesus was born, uh, Mary and Joseph followed the customs of the day. They did what was required under the law of Moses. They took Jesus and had him circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, they also offered the proper sacrifices and dedicated uh, Jesus to the Lord, just as the law had commanded. And after they did that, they, they went back home, eventually, to Nazareth. But every year, uh, they would come to Jerusalem, as was required by the law for all the men of Israel. Now, obviously, the women would come sometimes too, but the law in the Old Testament only commanded that the men would come back to Jerusalem, and that would be uh, three times a year. Now, what we see is Mary and Joseph doing this. It says that they would come as they did every year. They would come back to Jerusalem for the festival. They would come back to praise the Lord, to offer their, uh, their, their um, uh, offerings, and just to worship the Lord. It was a time of worship that all the people that could, all of the Jewish people, all of God's people, uh, would come back to Jerusalem. Now, this would have been a big event because uh, the people were spread all over the place. After the people had gone into captivity by being overtaken by Babylon, even though they eventually came back to Jerusalem, there were many of the people who were dispersed. They were all out. And now, obviously, not all would have been able to have come back to Jerusalem, but there would have been many who would have. There would have been many who wanted to uphold the law. There were still many who loved the Lord and wanted to serve Him and wanted to be obedient to Him. And as part of that, they would come back. And this was a time of worship, a time of gathering for all of God's people. And Mary and Joseph, by all accounts, by what little we see about them in the Scripture, uh, I believe that they were God, uh, a godly man and woman. They were a man and woman that wanted to serve the Lord. They loved the Lord. Uh, we get that impression just on the few Scriptures that we see of them and the very fact that God chose them to uh, raise Jesus for Mary to give birth to the Messiah and uh, Mary and Joseph collectively to, uh, to raise the Messiah of the world, that leads me to believe that they were probably godly men and women. And so here they were going to Jerusalem as they did every year. 
And here we are introduced to Jesus as, a, as, a, as, a, as an older boy. He's 12 years old, the scripture tells us here. And they are going back to the festival. Now, this is perhaps the first time that Jesus uh, had gone to the festival. And um, uh, this, this may be of some significance. Perhaps if this is the first time that Jesus has gone at the age of 12, it's because he's becoming a man. Now, this would be about the age range that even today uh, that Jewish people still celebrate uh, a, a young man, a boy, uh, entering manhood. Uh, you may have heard the term bar mitzvah before. You see that with, with Jewish males at the age of 13. They have a bar mitzvah. It's, a, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a, a growing up. It's symbolizing that you are uh, going from a boy to a man. Now, perhaps this is uh, what this is, this is signifying here for us as we read these scriptures. If all the, the men were supposed to go to uh, Jerusalem, perhaps Jesus was of the age where he was uh, recognized as a man. Not that he would have had all the responsibilities of a man and been sent off and said, okay, work for yourself. That's not quite how it goes, but it was a, it was a maturing. It was a growing up. And here was Jesus, who was 12 years old, and he had come with his mother and his father, and they had come back to Jerusalem. Now, the first thing that I think we can see that's important for us as we look at this text is, one, that Mary and Joseph, the parents, were about serving the Lord. They saw the significance and the importance of going out of their way to make a special trip to gather together with other children of God to worship God. And not only that, but to bring their child for this experience, for this worship experience, for this coming together, for this offering to the Lord, for this service to the Lord that they loved. They saw it important and they also brought their child with them. Now, we don't go to Jerusalem every year. We're not under that command. Praise the Lord for that. But wouldn't that be horrible if we had to get on a plane and we had to fly to Jerusalem three times a year? Praise the Lord that Jesus has freed us from that. But yet and still, I think that there's something important that we can see here. And while we may not go to Jerusalem, we should learn from Mary and Joseph here. Because it appears to me that they had a desire to come together and worship the Lord. Now, you and I should be no different. You and I should, should, that should be something that's important in our life. That should be significant to us, that we desire to come together with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and we do that on a regular basis. It says that they went to Jerusalem every year. This is not something that they just did from time to time. This is something that they were committed to. This was a habit. This was something that was part of their life. And for us, worshiping the Lord and serving the Lord and coming together and loving one another with other brothers and sisters in Christ is something that we need not take for granted and is something we need to make sure that we continue to do. And not only do we need to come, but there is nothing more important than for those who have children or grandchildren. If you can bring them to church, you bring them to church. We need to bring up a child in the way that they should go. And the scripture says, when they are old, they will not depart from it. The seeds that we plant in our children and our grandchildren when they are young are going to determine how their life is going to turn out. 
They are going to, to stand on that foundation if it's been built. If they know God's Word, if they are taught God's Word, if they are shown uh, love and they are shown grace and they are shown mercy and they are shown correction and they are brought up in God's house, worshiping the Lord, understanding the significance of loving a God who loved us enough to give us a son and learning God's Word and writing it on our hearts so that it will be recalled to us. There is nothing more important that we can invest into our children or into our grandchildren, our children that we encounter that may not be related to us in any way other than to impart to them the love of God, to let them know that Jesus Christ loves them, to show that, to show God that we want to serve Him, to give Him what we can to help further His kingdom, to give of our time, to give of our money, to give of our gifts, to give of our talents, whatever it is that God has given us, we need to make it a habit to go and seek the Lord and worship Him with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have to stand on guard. We have to, we have to, to kind of work at it because we may not always feel like coming to church. Now, it may be because there's sin in our life or there's something going on in our life, and that's an area that the devil loves to attack. He just, he just likes to attack us where we just don't want to go to church. Now, I believe because that's exactly where we need to be. Because I believe that coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ and hugging each other and loving each other and praying for each other, boy, that's just the thing that oftentimes is what lifts me up. But so many times I believe that's one of the greatest tactics of the devil to say, you know what, we just don't feel like coming to church and we may not come to church. We may miss a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks or six months. And boy, eventually we get out of that habit. We get out of that routine. It's not that we don't love the Lord or don't care about the Lord, but the Lord kind of begins to, to, to become lesser in our lives. We begin to put other things above the Lord. But it's important for us to be in the habit of coming to God's house, uh, to, to, to want to come and worship the Lord and serve the Lord and give Him the best we can and to make sure that we keep our children in God's house and that we impart that wisdom on our grandchildren or others that we may encounter so that they know the importance of this. Mary and Joseph got the importance of that. And they not only win every year, but here we see them bringing Jesus to this festival. Now, uh, eventually what happens is they finish the festival, they finish the time, and Mary and Joseph uh, depart to go back home. Now, back in those days, it would have been common probably to travel in large caravans. There would have been other relatives. There would have been a lot of people together. And lo and behold, they left and they got down the road a little ways and they realized, where's Jesus? Mary probably said, hey, hey, Joseph, where's Jesus? I don't know. I thought you knew where he was. I don't know where he is. I thought he was with you. And then they begin to question, well, well, where is Jesus at? Where could Jesus be? And they realized that they had forgot their child. Now, that may seem just unbelievable. But really, it's not that unbelievable. They said, well, he's probably playing with the other kids. He may be with auntie and uncle or whoever. He may be somewhere else. And they probably didn't think much of it. I don't think they were bad parents. But when they realized it, they said, oh, no, we have lost Jesus. Now, that's not that hard for me to believe because I remember when I was a child that we forgot my sister at church. When I was a kid, we, we got to my grandma's house to eat lunch, and my parents are not bad parents. Don't think lesser of them because of this story. But I remember we got to my grandma's house to eat lunch, as we always did, and we were sitting down, and we were getting ready to go. And that discussion took place. 
Well, where's Melissa? I don't know. I thought she was with you. I thought she was with you. I didn't bring her home. Was she with you? She didn't ride with me. And lo and behold, we come back to the church, and there was Melissa and Crystal. They were both up here, and they were back in the back in the old library that we had, and they were playing. They didn't have a clue. They were just having a good time. It had probably been 10, 15 minutes that had passed after church, and we came back and got them, and they didn't know any different. And I would imagine that this situation with Jesus was probably very similar to that. They didn't, they didn't think anything of it. They were going on their way, and, and Jesus, he wasn't thinking anything of it because he was about his Father's work. Now, Mary and Joseph go back, and they find Jesus. And where is he at? But he is in the temple. Now, that's interesting. He's in the temple, and so oftentimes when we, when we hear this story or we read this story or think about this story, you may see pictures painted and, and Jesus is always teaching or maybe you've seen videos and Jesus is teaching the people who are there in the temple and no doubt he was. It says they were astonished by his understanding. But look at what else Jesus was doing here in these verses. In verse 46, After three days they found him in the temple complex, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Isn't that something? Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, was in the temple complex among those who were wise and among those who knew the Scriptures, and he was asking them questions. That's interesting for me to think about. It may not be for you guys. It's interesting for me to think about. Just how much did Jesus know? Did he come to the earth with all the knowledge in the world and knew everything? Did he limit his knowledge and, and grow and know as much as a child of that age would know? Was he just pretending like he didn't know just to kind of ask him questions to spur on conversation? Or was he genuinely trying to mature in the Lord? Now, he was all-knowing, but perhaps he limited his knowledge during that time. And he was learning. He was asking them questions. And I believe that Jesus was asking questions of those who were wiser than him. It's because he wanted to learn. Now, he had great understanding. We see that in the text. There were some things that no doubt he already had learned and knew because he was answering their questions too. And that's the second thing I want us to look at in this passage today. What a beautiful example this is for us, for those who are Christians. Here's the Messiah of the world, and he's sitting with those who are wiser than him, and he is learning from them, and they are learning from him. And what a beautiful example that is for us as Christians. We need to make sure that as Christians we are seeking those who have wisdom. Because that's something that every single one of us need, whether we realize it or not. And there are brothers and sisters in Christ that we know, that we know are mature in Christ, and we know they have wisdom because they have been in God's Word their whole life. And they have learned lessons that you and I perhaps have not learned yet. As Ernest said a while ago in Children's Church, he's figured out that those older sisters, they've experienced different things. And we learn from other people's experiences. If we are wise, is it not better to learn from someone else who has learned the hard lesson and can teach us what not to do than for us to learn the hard lesson on our own? Well, that's foolishness. And as Christians, we need to, to find other brothers and sisters in Christ that we look up to, that we realize that there is wisdom, and we need to ask those questions. 
We need to have those discussions. And that's something that's, that I haven't done a good job with in my life. I realized that just this week, that I need to do a better job of reaching out to those who are wise. And the Scripture tells us that, that there is wisdom in the counsel of many. But boy, when we don't, when we don't seek that counsel in the, in, the, in, the, in the wisdom of many, boy, our plans fail is what the Scripture tells us. Let us as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we go through our struggles and our hard times and our questions that we have and the things that pop into our mind, let us do just as Jesus did. Let us seek those who have those answers. Let us seek those who are wise. Let us seek those who know. Let us seek those who have been working uh, to serve the Lord all those years, who have learned things and can impart those things on us. That's exactly what Jesus did, and I believe that that's a good thing for us to do. Maybe that's a good thing for us to think about as we enter 2019. Maybe there are some things that you're going through, some decisions you have to make, something you're struggling with, just something that you don't understand that you just have a question about. Maybe it's nothing bad at all, but you just need someone to help you. As Christians, we need to be a body that loves one another, that can be open one another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, the Scripture says. We as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to come and we need together and we need to worship the Lord. But we also need to seek the Lord and ask the Lord our questions and let Him speak into our life. We also need to, 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 to talk to one another, to, to be with one another, to, uh, to, to sharpen one another and say, Look, brother or sister, help me with this. Pray for me uh, in this way. Do you understand this verse? I don't understand this verse. And to seek that wisdom and to seek that wisdom counsel and when we do that our plans work out better when we seek the counsel of those who we know have our best interest in heart when we seek the counsel of those who we know have been through that tough life uh, situation before and allow them to speak into our life boy that counsel uh, can make a difference it can uplift us it can help us to grow it can help us to mature just as it says Jesus did as Jesus continued to grow he grew in stature among God and among men. That should be our desire, I believe, as Christians. I don't know if that's your desire, but I think that that should be our desire as Christians, that we should want to grow in the Lord. Now, not, not grow in, that, uh, in, in, in the sight of men so they can say, boy, look how good he is. That's not, that's not how we want to grow, but we want to grow with one another so we can see one another grow, so we can uh, see uh, the people that we need to seek for our wisdom and we need to seek for counsel. Our desire should be to grow in the Lord. Now you can look back at your life and you can think to yourself and ask yourself the question, am I growing in the Lord? Am I growing in the Lord? Well, maybe the answer is yes. But if the answer is not, then we have to figure out why we're not growing in the Lord. It may be because there's sin in our life. It may be because we're not seeking the Lord. It may be that, that all the wisdom and, and instruction and guidance and grace that we need is right there in the Lord, but we're not seeking Him. Well, I can promise you it's not maybe. It is in the Lord. But the problem is that so oftentimes we don't seek Him. But the Scripture says that if we lack wisdom, seek the Lord, He'll give it to us. But oftentimes we're not growing in the Lord because we're not seeking the Lord. Now, I don't know how everybody's doing. You may all be doing good, but if you're not doing good, then you need to seek the Lord. You need to strive to grow in Him. 
Even the Messiah of the world, it says, grew in the Lord. He grew in stature among God and among men. His parents brought him upright. He understood the importance of worshiping the Father. We see that all throughout the Scripture. Jesus has always given glory to the Father. He's always praying to the Father. He's always submitting to the Father. He's always seeking to do the Father's will. And what a beautiful example, the best example, the perfect example for us to go by. The third thing I think we can take uh, from this passage is when Mary approaches Jesus, she says, look, your father and I have been looking for you. Now, she was talking about Joseph. But listen to what Jesus says as a response. He says, Why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? And Mary was referring, referring to Joseph as the father. But Jesus clearly answered the question and pointed out to him who the real father was. It was the heavenly father. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Or some translations, I think, say that I must be about my father's business. Jesus didn't say that I should be doing my father's business. He said I have to be doing it. I have to be about my father's business. I must be in my father's house. I had to be in my father's house. Jesus knew exactly what he had to do. And he did exactly what he had to do. He always did the Father's work. He was always about the Father's business. He was always doing what the Father wanted him to do. He was always serving the Father. He was always obedient to the Father. He was always seeking the Father's will. Jesus did exactly what he had to do from the time he was born till the time that he died on the cross. He had to give his life as a ransom for many because that was the will of the Father. And he said, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus did the Father's will. He did what he had to do because he knew that he must be about his Father's business. Now that's a good question for us to think about today. Are we about our Father's business? Are we about doing what we have to do? What God's will is for us? What God has called us to do? That's what we have to do. But so oftentimes, we don't do what we have to do. So oftentimes, we're not about the Father's business. You see, for Jesus, that was the most important thing. That was what he cared about more than everything, more than anything, was to be about the Father's business. Now, as a Christian, I want to be about the Father's business, but I'm not. Because instead of saying, I must do this, I must do this, I have to do this. You know what we do with stuff we have to do? We do it. If you have to do something, you do it. But you know what I say most of the time? Not that I must do this. You know what I say? I should do this. I should do that. I should. I should. I should. But you know what gets done when I'm saying I'm should? Nothing. Because if it was being done, I wouldn't be saying I'm should. 
You see, what I realized this week in my life is I've got a big list of I should, but not a list of I did. There are many things that God is calling me to do, but I'm not about my father's business. I'm sitting back saying I should do this, but not Jesus. He said, I must be about my father's business. I had to be here. I couldn't be anywhere else. I couldn't do anything else. I had to be in my Father's house. I had to be in my Father's will. I had to be seeking the Father's wisdom. I had to be learning from others, and I had to be teaching others. I had to be doing this, so I'm doing it, because this is what I have to do. Now, there may be some things in your life that God has called you to do, and you need to be doing them. But you may be too much like me. And you put them off. And every day goes by. And you say, boy, I should have done that today. But you know what happens for my shouldas? Those list of things that I should have done, some of those things have been going on for years. Not a day, not a week. Years. I've been saying what I should do. But maybe it's time for me no doubt it is, and maybe time for you too, to stop saying what you should do and start doing what God calls you to do. I'll just read you my list of some things I wrote down Thursday afternoon when I was thinking about this. I should apologize. Now, there may be people in your life that you need to apologize <coughs> to. There may be things that we've done or said or thought even Maybe we need to apologize to somebody. But that's the hardest one for me. You know, I don't know about you guys. It's hard for me. And they say, boy, there are people I should apologize to him or I should apologize to her. But that does no good until we do it. I should go see that person. There are people that I need to go visit them. I need to go see them. I can come up with reasons why I don't want to. Oh, I don't want to go see that person. They're going to say this or say that or do that. I should go, but I don't. And that's not doing any good. I should read the Bible more. Not just read it. I mean, I read it a lot studying, but there's, there's a difference between personal time and study time. I should, I should desire God's Word more than I do. I should want to eat it up. I should want to listen to it. I should want to read it. I should want to preach it. Every day. But I get busy. I should read God's Word. I want to watch the TV. I want to play Xbox. I want to go out and do this. I should read God's Word more than I do. But I don't. That's the craziest thing. Maybe for you too. It's, you know it's crazy? Because every time that I really seek God and I really read His Word, you know what happens? He blesses me. But you know what the devil does? Just like going to church. Boy, if he gets you out of that habit, oh, I'll take a break. You deserve it. You've been reading all day. You've been studying all day. You've read the Bible more than anybody in that church probably. Just take a break. But it's not the same. Study time is not the, not the same as personal time with the Lord. Now, maybe you have good personal time with the Lord, or maybe you're like me and you need to work on that. I should read God's Word more. I should be more careful what I say. I should be. But I'm not. 
Well, who can fix that? Me. Who can fix that in your life? You. Now, you could just be content with that. You, you could just say, I should be more careful what I say, but I'm not. And just go on with your life. But boy, there are too many times in these I shoulds in my life that I justify. I say, basically what I say is, I should, but I ain't and I don't care. That's basically what we're saying when we say I should. Now, we might not like to think that. And we may not even think those words, or maybe we do. We may think those very words. I should, but I ain't and I don't care. But even if we don't utter that, when we say I should, I should, I should, and we know we should, but we don't, that's basically what we're saying. I should have a little more grace. Boy, I should that. Ain't that something? I'm just preaching to me. I don't know about y'all. Isn't that something for me, though, that I have received so much grace? But boy, it is. I am so quick to not give it. I should be given grace as, as, as bad as I am, as, as, as horrible a sinner as I've been. The fact that God loves me is unbelievable to me. How deep the Father's love for me, that's, that's just unbelievable to me. I should be at the forefront of never getting, getting angry or mean or, or saying anything to everybody. I should be at the forefront of giving grace because I've probably received more than anybody in the history of the world. I should give more grace, but oftentimes, more often than not, I don't give the grace I should. I might give a little bit. I'll give them a little bit of grace. But once they go past this point, I ain't giving that person no more grace. I should give more grace. I should give more mercy. Because Lord knows I have received it from Him, from other people. And so I should do a better job of being gracious to those. I should be nicer. I should be nicer. You ever had a bad day? Probably so. You're just not very nice, kind of grouchy. We probably all had those days. Well, we should be nicer. All of these things that we should do, you may struggle with some of these same ones, or it may just be me. Y'all pray for me. It may just be me. Boy, when I look at these lists of things that I should do, I say, golly, that's going to be hard. That's going to be tough to do all those things. And you may be saying the same thing. Some of them things when I say that, you might have said, golly, he's talking to me. No, I'm talking to me, but God may be talking to you. Those things that we should do are not always easy. But that's what we must do. Because these types of things are exactly what God calls us to. And we must be about our Father's business. We must do what we have to do. Because when we start doing what we have to do, you know what we say at the end of the day? Praise God. That's what we say. When you're doing what you have to do at the end of the day, there's nothing left to say. But if you're like me, when you get to the end of the day and you had not done what you should do, you know what I do? I lay in the bed and I say, I should have done this. I should have done that. But when we do what God calls us to, when we are about our Father's business, all we can say is praise God because we've done all we can do. And Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, has done 
all he can do. He did everything he must do. He lived in this world. He showed grace, he showed mercy, and he showed compassion. It is an example to you and I. And when it came time to give his very life on the cross, he did what he had to do because he loved you. He did it because he loved you. He did it because the price had to be paid. He did it because he wanted you to be redeemed and there was no <coughs> other way. And what if Jesus would have just said, I'm going back to heaven? And Jesus would probably be sitting up here today saying, Golly, I should have. I should have gave my life for him. But you know what? He didn't do that. He's not talking about what he should have done. The Bible tells us what he did. He did everything that we should be doing. And it's by him that we can do this list of should us. It's by him alone and by his grace and by his strength that he can help us do what we should do so that at the end of the day we can say, God, I praise you. God, I thank you. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these good words and I pray that we learn from this passage. God, I pray that we are about your, about your work, dear Lord. I pray that we are uh, obedient to you. I pray that we are seeking you, that we come together, that we make it a habit to worship you, dear Lord. Don't let the devil get us out of the habit of coming and, and worshiping and serving you, God. And God, I pray that you can help us to seek the wisdom and the counsel of other brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we need that in our life. And so I pray that you help us as a church to grow in you and to sharpen one another. And God, I pray that you help us as we look forward to this year that's starting. That maybe there are some others that have a list of things that they should do. <clears throat> Dear Lord, help us do what we, what we should do. God, help us to be about your work. Help us to be about your will. God, help us to seek your will. Help us to seek your guidance. Help us to do what you call us to, even if it's hard, dear Lord. God, some of the things you call us to are good, happy things, easy things. But God, even with Jesus, you called him to the most difficult thing, to give his life on a cross. But God, he did what he had to do, and we thank you for that. And I pray, God, that you help us to look to his example and be faithful to you, dear Lord, that the most important thing in our, in our life, God, is to serve you and to do your will. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.